We know something changes, um, but can we find it and can we provide scientific evidence to show others of the value of the arts? What are the connections between art and the brain? This is a podcast about visual art at Auburn University. My name is Chris Molinsky, Director of Education at the Jewel Colin Smith Museum of Fine Art. Today, I talked with Barb Bondi and Jeff Katz about their research project, Observational Drawing in the Brain. My name is Barb Bondi, and I am Professor Emerita at Auburn University, where I worked since 2003. Hi, I'm Jeff Katz. I'm a professor in the Department of Psychological Sciences at Auburn University. I've been here 21 years and study uh, um, phenomena related to cognitive neuroscience in humans and non-human animals. Barb and Jeff work together on a research study to observe brain activity, changes in the brain of a group of students that Barb was teaching in an observational drawing class at Auburn. At the beginning and end of each semester, students entered an MRI machine. When they were inside the machine, the students answered questions, questions connected to skills taught in observational drawing. When the students um, volunteered to to, uh, participate in the study, prior to the beginning of instruction, and then at the very end of the semester after instruction, they went to Auburn University's um, MRI Center, and they laid down in the scanner, the fMRI, scanner and projected above them was a series of tasks of visual images 10 rotations in each task there were four tasks and each task was based on um, a significant drawing concept that we could actually quantify and measure and they would um they had a button at their hand down by the side of their body and they'd press the button to answer the questions The four tasks uh, were looking at tonal values. So if you just listeners, even right now, look at the environment in front of them, surrounding them, you'll see there's different areas of brightness and darkness and and areas of um, mediation of tonal values in between. And this isn't something we normally look at or observe in, in everyday life. So this is something students definitely gain in a drawing class. So we tested tonal value. We tested line variation, which is a more creative aspect of drawing and using your materials. We tested perspective, which involves knowledge and understanding the methods of linear perspective. And we tested on direction of light and determining by looking at light and shadows Uh, Could the students tell how many light sources were illuminating the subject they were looking at? First of all, the images were similar to what a student would experience in an observational drawing class. In an observational drawing class, I'll just back up a little to say that the way it was taught at Auburn University emphasizes accuracy and drawing from a still life. And so still life is a group of inanimate objects that challenge the students with um, visual or technical uh, challenges. And then they work their way through uh, figuring out how to draw it and then how to do it creatively. 
So the tonal value was actually, um, we photographed bricks and it was a grouping of bricks, some standing, some leaning on an angle, some laying flat in numbers of say two to six or seven. And they were lit and then digitally manipulated in Photoshop. So it was absolutely accurate what uh, each tonal value was on each face of the brick. And the question, when they looked at the images of two bricks or three bricks or seven bricks, the question was, how many different tonal values can you find? And then they had a series of options, a number, you know, two, three, four, or five. And so they would use their skill pre-instruction of observing these different uh, varieties of tonal ranges on the bricks. And then it was hopeful that by the end of instruction, they were, they had uh, refined their observation skills and could detect the subtleties and the nuances of the tonal variations in the bricks post-instruction. The study involved a control group of non-art students so they could compare results between the students in Barb's observational drawing class with other students at Auburn University. You know, the purpose of the control group, one of the purposes of the control group is that because these are students, they're engaged in, you know, university life, right? You would expect there are going to be changes from the beginning of the semester to the end of the semester because they're presumably always learning information, right? They've taken, you know, five classes on average, right, during every semester. So we needed to really make sure that if we had just, so for instance, if we had just tested the students in the art class um, and we saw changes, we could say like, oh yeah, there's changes and they're likely due to changes in the from the experiences that they get in the art class and those skills that Barb was saying. But without doing the control group, we wouldn't have really known that because because they may have been, those changes could have been due to something else of just being a college student and being engaged in, in thinking and learning activities in all their classes. But by having the control group and making sure those control students were not taking an art class, we can really um, pinpoint the effects to the skills they learned in the art class. For each of these tasks, we then look at the brain activity uh, that's engaged. And what we find is we find we find a lot, it, depending on the task, so like, like in the tonal value task, for instance, we see diffuse activity through the brain um, that's different in the art students than the um, non-art students, right? So in the in the areas that are active, are areas that are involved in in decision making and working memory and spatial knowledge um, and cognitive control, and all these things are contributing to the strategies that that are different across groups. After two years of your study, what did you find? Well, I'll just say what we found was learning to draw from observation changes the brain. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the bottom line. Um, in general, uh, the areas involved involve the prefrontal cortex, the cerebellum, uh, the hippocampus, um, uh, the interparietal sulcus, and, and all these kind of, you know, in these initial analysis, they're all kind of involved in a different time course that underlies the mechanisms here when the subjects are engaged in making their decisions about what they have to do. And I would add to that what's interesting is uh, we found the areas the areas affected are areas that deal with cognitive processing, top-down control, working memory, decision-making, visual information processing, attention. 
And this, of course, leads to a whole area of discussion about the uh, cognitive skills developed from uh, drawing and drawing from observation, whereas probably more commonly it's, it's thought that it's a perceptual process strictly, but there are uh, many cognitive skills gained through the process of learning to draw as well as perceptual abilities. There was a study that was interesting um, that looked at the neural networks uh, resting state scans with professional artists being painters, uh, I think specifically painters, dancers, and musicians. And uh, what that study reported was that over time, developed through sustained practice over time and with expertise, there was a similar neural network among all of these professional artists that could be found. You could lay this image of this network one over the other of the other and it was very similar yeah and so the uh, uh, thanks for bringing that up barb and so the question for us will be is do the art students start to do we start to see that network uh, develop here after after being engaged in the class the people that were tested in the in the, the paper that barb's mentioning they were they were artists or musicians or dancers that had been engaged in their craft for for many years so we're so we're curious if we can start to see that that uh, network develop. As as I'm teaching a drawing class, I will talk with students about what's happening right now while they're doing X, and that this these cognitive skills are in play. Uh, not only are you drawing what you see, but you're using what you know and ignoring also what you know. Um, so if you're looking at a cup, you know that the structure of a cup, the top is round. But if you look at the cup uh, and you draw it in perspective, you have to use a more elliptical shape for the cup to give it the, the um, perspective to make it look like a cup sitting on a ground, you know, at a distance rather than as if you're looking over standing over the top of the cup. So, you know, the cup the opening of the cup is round, but you also understand that you have to use like um, drawing circles in perspective, that knowledge to draw it correctly. But also you have to know that what you see is that elliptical shape as well. So, and then at the same time, you're drawing a drawing. And so you're editing the drawing, you're thinking about your mark making and your shading and the subtle, you know, changes of light around the surface, the, the cylindrical shape of the cup and so forth. So I think all of these things are going on at the same time, which is what makes the artistic process both so complex, but also so interesting. I think, you know, drawing drawing performs many other functions within the process of making that has little to do with the likeness of the object that they're drawing as well. So it's like you don't, it's not that you're just capturing, for example, as we did in our study, it's observational drawing. So you're not just capturing the object to get an accurate drawing of it there are many other functions that are going on as well and a lot of those functions are this non-verbal inquiry non-verbal uh, form of communication and i think that's really significant uh, to individuals you know 
whether they're intending to be artists or not. And, and this is also really important for other fields and domains too, where observation and this ability to see things differently or communicate or explain uh, can be achieved through drawing. The ability to work with uh, Dr. Katz has really made it possible to answer the question that those of us who teach and practice drawing have been um, stating all along. We know something changes, um, but can we find it and can we provide scientific evidence to show others of the value of the arts? My thanks to Barb Bondi and Jeff Katz for talking with us about their project. For more information about their research, visit our website at jcsm.auburn.edu.